welcome to this episode of the This Is Believe One podcast. I am James Mastrucci, and we're talking Browns today, which means I got my good friend Jordan Cohen. Jordan, how you doing? I'm doing really well. How about you? Doing pretty good overall. Uh, some of the Browns news over the past week has uh, has some concerns, in my opinion, but uh, I believe you share some of those. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, I do. I, I I think this Clowney signing is distracting from what is a worse defensive line than we had last year. I think losing Richardson, obviously the Vernon injury, there was nothing the Browns could do. But mm-hmm. when Vernon was healthy this year or last season, mm-hmm. he was an incredibly talented player. Like he was arguably our best defensive lineman last year. I know that set like we had Miles, but. Vernon's season was insane because he was the best run stopper on the line. Teams could not run to the right. And he got a few sacks. Yeah. Uh, Even though Olivier Vernon's season was cut short, there was that moment in time where he turned it on. He had nine sacks last year, and I think people uh, forget that. No, Vernon, I I think there was an argument Vernon was in kind of like that top eight defensive lineman last year. Like, just in the NFL. He was having an incredible season. And Clowney ain't that good. And no, no, I don't know not. what the hell they're doing a defensive tackle. So let, let's get into uh, uh, the, the whole Clowney thing before we get to defensive tackle. Let's, let's break down Clowney because defensive tackle is going to bring forth a, a different conversation that we're going to have. But let's start with Clowney. Uh, Andrew Barry finally gets his man and... and uh, <laughs> In a series of events that, honestly, in my opinion, remind me a lot of Joe Dumars's constant pursuit of Allen Iverson, the Browns <laughs> got Jadavian Clowney, and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, so where the benefit of Clowney is that he, you could really put him anywhere on the defensive line, and he'll mm-hmm. do what he does, which is get through his defenders and get a little pass rush. That's what Clowney does. You can play him anywhere. I acknowledge that. I, I This does not solve the problem at the edge. No. I think, if anything, Clowney could be a defensive tackle, kind of like, or more of like an interior pass rusher for the Browns, but it does not solve the edge problem. The edge is still a blank, blank hole. Like, we do not have a starting end opposite Garrett. Yeah, no, we don't. And that's even before acknowledging uh, Clowney's uh, injury history. Even a fully healthy Clowney does not give us a starting uh, defensive end or edge player, whatever you wanted to classify him as, opposite of Garrett. Yeah, well, and this is why I've been saying this all year, or especially since the injury. I think the Browns should give Vernon a contract. I do too. Like, honestly, yeah, he may never be the same player. He may not even be able to play special teams in the future. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, if he is 90, 85 to 90% of that player next season and you have him on a cheap contract, I mean, you definitely do it. Plus, even if you get 50% of that of last season this year, I mean, you may need that. Clowney's very likely going to get hurt. And again, you don't have an edge. So Vernon at 50% is still probably your best starting defensive end opposite Garrett. Yeah, and can we... I absolutely agree with that. And can we talk about what Clowney is as a player? Because I've heard nothing but uh, essentially the same discussion from different people about Clowney and what he's going to provide. Everyone's like, well, when the Browns double team, or, you know, when uh, Miles Garrett gets double team, that's going to leave uh, Clowney in single team. Or, or you know, they're going to have to, they can't double team Miles Garrett anymore. Um, newsflash, uh, Clowney's presence has no impact on how teams are going to block Miles Garrett. Also, this I keep seeing this stat, and it's driving me crazy that, oh, Clowney gets double-teamed all the time. No, that's not—I'm It's. I'm sorry. It's not schematic. Teams aren't saying double-team Clowney. What Clowney does is he rushes—he goes for the hole between the guard and the tackle. Mm-hmm. So it looks like a double-team, but it's not so really a double-team. I mean, ostensibly, especially when he's playing against zone blocking, it is a double-team. But it's not a schematic double-team. It's a Clowney's decision. Mm-hmm. That's not changing. And teams aren't sending three guys at Miles Garrett. You, you, they send two, and then they say, well, if one of the guys we're leaving alone gets through, so be it. And that guy was Sheldon Richardson. Mm-hmm. 
or they would leave Vernon in single coverage sometimes too, and they would shift the line left. And Vernon knew how to take advantage of that, right? Vernon yeah. knew if there was if everybody was going left, he went he would go around his guy, mm-hmm. right? And so it was a longer route to the quarterback, but it was actually really effective. Clowney doesn't do that. Clowney's never been a guy that goes around the tackle. He takes the short, most direct path to the quarterback possible, which is again like. On pass rush downs, that's a really useful skill to have. And if they had signed Connie to be our pass rush specialist who could play anywhere on the line, I would have actually been really good with that signing. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Clowney's an injury-prone Emmanuel Agba. Uh, one of my friends said that, and I think that's so true. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what he is. He, he's injury-prone Emmanuel Agba, and he, he's one that's he's one that's going to continue to get hurt and break down even more. Um, yep. I mean, you look at Clowney, you look at his last two years, he has three sacks, zero last year. He yep. has only 19 quarterback hits, six last year, and that's that's less than his total from the year before we had 21. Right. You know, and that number's not necessarily that impressive to begin with, 21. Right. He, he's it's advertised not. as this, this, you know, elite pass rusher or a good pass rusher. He, he really isn't. Yeah, I mean, it depends, like, how... So so the argument for it, like, the real kind of, like, intellectual argument for it is that the reason Clowney doesn't get sacks is because he is so direct. But if you have a... Like, so when Clowney had J.J. Watt, mm-hmm. that was really useful because it meant Watt could take a shorter path to the quarterback without having to go through as many guys. Yes. And... I mean, I don't know. I, I guess the Browns could theoretically transition to a 3-4 and make Miles Garrett an outside linebacker in a 3-4 and God, then have Tommy no. do that. But I, I think that that is going to be an ex- – that would be an extreme shift. And they – I mean, you're talking about – like we keep saying, they don't have a defensive tackle. You can't switch to 3-4. Like they don't have the personnel for it. And so I don't know – like – I don't think putting him opposite Miles Garrett is going to have the impact a lot of people think it will. Um, that directness on that side of the line isn't that useful. I guess you could put him right next to Miles Garrett and just make him your starting defensive tackle. I mean, that would be the only scenario where you might get the most out of Clowney is if he was next to I, Garrett. Yeah. But I think, that I mean, doesn't I, sound like their plan. I I don't know. Because, I, I mean, the one thing about releasing Richardson is it does open up the opportunity for the Browns to do that. But, like, that's great on pass downs. You don't have a nose on rundowns. Like, there's no nose tackle on the roster. Sheldon Richardson isn't even really a traditional nose tackle, but he could at least masquerade as one. Yeah, he was just the biggest defensive tackle they had. Yeah, like, he could get in the three-tack and do it. Uh, Clowney is not going to be able to do that. He's too small. He's way too small. Yeah, and so I don't know. I mean, I... when you're not doing that, he's not going to play opposite, or he's not going to play next to Miles Garrett because you're going to put the three tech next to Miles, so Miles can spend most of his energy on pass downs. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't. I again, I it's not my issue. Isn't Clowney? Like I think Clowney's a perfectly serviceable player with a decent amount of talent. That if he were signed to be a rotational player, I would have been ecstatic about. Mm-hmm. But they're signing him to be the starter. And because of that, that also means they cut Richardson. And that, to me, is where the big problems lie. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, that's ultimately that's where I fall back to, is if they would have signed him as a situational pass rusher, which is what he is at this point in his career, let's, let's, not, let's not pretend he's something he's not. That's what his skill set and his abilities have landed him at. I would have been fine. If they would have signed him to a deal like what they got McKinley or Malik Jackson for, I would have been fine. The fact that it's this much money and he's slotted in as a starter is the problem. Yeah. And again, like I think part of where Clowney's really good. And I think this will help the Browns if he stays healthy is he's really good at not biting on play action um, or draws like misdirection in general. Clowney's really good at reading, Mm -hmm. which will be useful because like Lord knows if Mac Wilson's behind him, you're going to need somebody that's good at not jumping (laughs) on misdirection. Um, But Right, like, he is a situational player best. Or if he is your third best defensive lineman, then he could be your starter. 
but but right now, I mean, Clowney is sliding in as the second best guy on that defensive line. And like honestly, like looking at that defensive line, he is the second best. That would just terrifying. And let, let's look at his his pass rush ability because those are the numbers everyone's going to focus on. Mm-hmm. I, he's never had double digit sacks in a season. And there's one number that I brought up earlier, which is what um, I did a little bit of research on, and this is some important things to take note of: quarterback hits. Yeah, he doesn't get three quarterback. In 83 career games, he has 86 quarterback hits. That's, yeah. That's just about one per game. One and like a fraction of one per game. In comparison yeah. to some other guys on the team. You know, I'll, I'll get the unfair one out of the way first. Miles Garrett, 1.6 hits per game. So I'll get the unfair one out of the way. Olivier Vernon averaged 1.2 a game. Even Richardson and Adrian Claiborne were at 0.8 per game, and Tack McKinley's at 0.9. The fact that he's closer to Sheldon Richardson and Adrian Claiborne and Tack McKinley than he is to Olivier Vernon or Miles Garrett should be a problem. Yeah, I mean, again, this idea that he... I think it's fair that he is a pass rush specialist insofar as he does do weird... Because he's so direct, Mm -hmm. he, he occupies bodies in pass rush, which is really useful. But he's not a pass rush specialist in like the... Oh, you know who it's like? It's not like Jannard Avery from a few years ago, yeah. right? Where Jannard Avery was a pass rush specialist because he was really good at taking, getting to the quarterback and getting the sack. Um, that that is not going to be what Clowney is. He and is your starting end. Like I don't know. I mean, he doesn't put up good. Like Olivier Vernon, one point two is really good. That's a really good number. Mm-hmm. And Clowney's nowhere close to that. I mean, Clowney's almost half a sack a game under that. Or half a hit a game under that. Yeah, 1 to 1.2, so... Okay, so not half. But so, uh, two-tenths. A fifth, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, yeah. I mean, in, um, over the course of a season, that, that tends to accumulate. I mean, and I'm looking at Vernon's quarterback hit stats. I mean, obviously his best year in this area was 36 back in, 20, in uh, 2015. Clowney's career best was 21 from a couple years ago. Yeah, I don't... It, Clowney is not a... Like, Cl, it's funny. Clowney, his production looks like a nose tackle. And, like, what you would expect out of a good nose tackle. Mm-hmm. The problem is he's doing it from the edge. Which, I guess, is less of a problem if you have two really good defensive tackles or, like, Aaron Donald. Yeah. But the Browns don't. They don't have... At this point, I don't know that they have any good starting defensive tackles. Uh, maybe Billings, I guess. And they have... Uh, and Billings is not Aaron Donald. And so let's discuss this for a second. Um, I love Miles Garrett. But in your opinion, is this the best defensive line he's been on? So I don't love miles i mean i love miles garrett like as a player like i'm glad Uh like he he's good i think miles garrett i mean some of the stuff that's coming out about covid Mm -hmm. is terrifying like yes there are players that have had that had it a year ago Mm -hmm. that are still facing side effects so i think a that that is scary b i am not a fan of paying edge rushers that much money um because at the end of the day like they still only influence so many plays a season Yes. And, and I, I get the Browns didn't have much of a choice in the situation, mm-hmm. but it's going to mean Miles Garrett is going to need to run this defensive line. Yes. Because they don't have the money to afford anything else. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I think the Browns have to draft a defensive lineman in the first. Like, I actually had be, started moving around to, like, the – this would not be a bad year for the Browns to trade down and get picks for next year because there's so few players in this draft. Like, it's the least amount of players in a draft they've had in, like, two decades. Mm-hmm. So I would have been okay with the trade down out of the first this year because I think you could have gotten a first next year, um, which I think would be useful trade chips for this season. I also just – I don't know how good the Browns are going to be overall, but now I think you don't have a choice. Like, I think if Barmore's there – or there's like 8 million different edges. I, I think mm-hmm. you have to take it. And like the other guy in the first round I really liked was Newsom, the cornerback from Northwestern, who more than likely would have been there at 26 and who is 
I mean, the best zone corner I've seen in the draft in a long time. And I don't, I mean, would I be mad if the Browns drafted him? No. Would I be terrified of the fact that we still don't have any defensive linemen? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, Barmore has issues. I don't think Barmore is ready to be a stud contributor from day one. I think Barmore may take half a season. But I I think if Barmore's there at 26, you got to take him. Yeah, I mean they they just need some help. Yeah, they they really do. I mean I, it, it's Garrett and question marks <laughs> really. Yeah, I mean I like if if I am a defensive coordinator right now, mm-hmm. and I or an offensive coordinator, and I'm seeing this Browns defensive line, I'm doing one of two things, probably both all game. I'm running up the middle and to the right mm-hmm. all all game long. Um, or I am with the knowledge that my quarterback will not face much pressure after kind of the first three seconds, which is where Clowney does most of his damage. Mm-hmm. I'm running a lot of play action rollouts to the right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm doing. And you know, it's not because Clowney will bite on the play action. You hope somebody else on the line will, but it's because once Clowney gets that, like through that first three seconds, all your quarterback has to do is be on the other part of the right side of the field. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Browns don't have the pass rush to handle that. They don't. So I I am like, and you like, oh, well, it's a good thing the Browns don't face a lot of teams that run play action and zone block. Oh, wait, shit. This season, like every team we play is heavy play action mm-hmm. or like zone blocking. Um, I, I, I don't, I think this could be a, bad defense this defense for as improved as the secondary is and like you and i've talked about this i think johnson and hill will change this secondary by themselves Mm -hmm. i i think this defensive line is going to be so bad that it may we may even have a worse defense than last year yeah their front seven is not very uh encouraging if you want they let bj goodson go if you want to put the linebackers into it he was our best linebacker last year. It, it seems like they've decided that they'd rather, you know, go with Anthony Walker instead of B.J. Goodson. Uh, I would have rather had Walker and Goodson instead of bringing back Malcolm Smith. But, you well, know, it, it, that's just Goodson me. was not more expensive than Walker, right? Like, the, there's no reason they couldn't have just kept Goodson and either signed Walker or figured something else out. And I believe B.J. Goodson's still a free agent. I thought he signed somewhere. He's currently a free agent. Yeah, I mean, are you kidding? Like, I would take Goodson in a nanosecond. I just don't... This... I don't... What started is, like, a free agency where I was saying to myself, maybe I was wrong about Barry. Maybe Barry really does know what he's doing. To, like, what the hell just happened? Mm -hmm. We have no defensive line. I mean, you're relying on... What ostensibly is Andrew Billings coming back from a year off football, which is possible. Like, he was good. You're relying on basically Malik Jackson. And Jordan Elliott taking steps forward that we don't know that he will. Yeah, I mean, like, Jordan Elliott did some really good stuff. Like, I actually think Jordan Elliott had a quietly underrated rookie year for how little he played. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, right now the best I could imagine for Jordan Elliott next year is Larry Ogunjobi. And and I think that's not for his career necessarily, but for next year, I think that's the best you're going to see. You won't see better than that. And that's like, again, like the 90th percentile outcome for him next season. Yeah. Um, did not play a ton. Yeah. He only played 30% of snap counts last year. Right. Right. Uh, Started one game. Had 15 tackles, uh, no none for loss, no quarterback hits. So, right. I mean, not that I'm expecting a lot of quarterback hits from Jordan Elliott. It's just a nice bonus when you get one yeah, of those yeah. from interior I mean, pass he rush. He was a really good pass rusher in college. Mm-hmm. And I think just you go to the NFL and all of a sudden you're not bigger than everybody. And you usually see this with interior defensive linemen, right? Like their first years, they usually struggle because mm-hmm. in college they're the biggest guy in the field. Um, so the ones that are good at pass rushing also like just tend to dominate and then they go to the nfl and it's like oh shoot but like i i I never remember seeing jordan elliott make a bad play last year 
Like there was never a play where I was like, damn it, Jordan Elliott. And I know it was probably because he didn't play a lot of snaps, but yeah. I mean, again, I think he very likely could become a rotational defensive lineman, but that, that doesn't solve the problem. You don't have a defensive tackle. Yeah, no, there, there's no interior pass rush on this team that I see. I there's mean, no interior uh, rush rush. Yeah, too. But, I mean, <laughs> maybe Malik Jackson does something. Maybe Billings does something. But, I mean, I mean, what's what's to stop a, a defense from just going double, t- or the offense from, du- say, double-team miles, uh, push Clowney outside, and mm-hmm. have the other, you know, with, or chip him with, like, a tight end or something with the, you know, to just, like, deter him. And just have their standard linemen cover the other two defensive linemen and uh, and a running back there for help. Right. And, but, like, and th- you... that's a very basic thing that I just threw up out of nowhere, and that would completely neutralize their defense. Well, and it's the same idea as like when the Cavs played the Raptors in the playoffs, and they would just leave DeRozan and Ibaka wide open mm-hmm. from three. Because the idea is like, yeah, listen, they'll hit some threes, right? And if one gets hot, you may lose the game. But statistically, they're so bad at it yeah. that that it's worth that risk, right? Because you've mm-hmm. shut down everything else. And that is exactly what doing what your strategy would do, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, there are going to be plays where the Browns defense, like interior, like Malik Jackson and Billings take advantage of that, yeah. right? So you, you may have a, quite a few runs for loss or you may get give up one or two interior sacks. Mm-hmm. But outside of those plays every game, so again, like four, five, six maybe plays a game where it backfires, it's going to work. Mm-hmm. And like you take that risk. That's an educated, smart risk to take. And I don't, th- I mean, again, maybe the salute, maybe what they are really thinking is Jadavian Clowney opposite Miles Garrett and then draft somebody like Barmore to kind of do some of the nose tackly stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's the solution. Maybe, I I mean, I guess, like, if you are determined to get as many sacks as possible, that strategy probably works. But then you still have a problem with the other edge. Yeah. And, I mean, the whole frustrating thing with this entire um, saga is that you, you look at their defense and they are worse off now than they were a week ago. They're worse off than they, yeah, they, maybe even last year, too. I mean, because I know you weren't the biggest Joby fan, but now they're without Joby and Sheldon Richardson, who were their two starting defensive tackles. Now they're, I mean, and now they're adding Jadavian Clowney to the mix. Yeah, I mean, I think Andrew Billings, yeah, I mean, Andrew Billings is probably, to my, like, uh, at least when he was playing, he's as good as Larry Joby. Um, yeah. Obviously, he's coming off a year where he didn't play, and like Malik Jackson's coming off two straight down years. They may both be worse. So, that, I mean, that's fair. I was a big Richardson fan. I actually think Richardson's such a versatile defensive tackle, and so far as he can do the three-tech nose-tackly stuff, or he could do the four- or five-tech like pass. Like, I think that's a really useful skill set to have on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really don't understand, like, getting rid of him that, that i mean i understand why they had to do it but i don't i mean what are they going to do with that money now is it going to go to re-signing ward and chubb i i mean maybe but all the sounds coming out of the bria are that the browns aren't re-signing any, aren't extending anyone even baker which is like good but I mean, to me, it's like, okay, so what is this money for? Is it like a break glass in case of emergency money? Well, we have an emergency now, guys. You don't have a defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know what their plan is. I mean, and like you said just a little while ago, um, when this free agency period started, it seemed like, okay, Andrew Barry has a plan. He seems to know what he's doing. And as it's gone on, I have severely questioned just what the hell he's doing and does he know what he's doing from the complete um just ignoring the defensive tackle position pretending like it doesn't matter uh to to acquiring Clowney to the report of the deal they tried to offer Clowney last year 
Like, what was that? Right. Thank you, well, Clowney, I, for saying no to that because you saved Andrew Barry from himself. Yeah. No, I... Well, and, like, uh, so th- there is an argument, right, that, like, it's okay to have a defensive line like this if you have an unbelievable secondary. And I actually accept that argument. I think, like, at the end of the day, if I could have a great defensive line or a great secondary and the other would be below average, I would pick the secondary. The problem is I don't think we have a great secondary yet. I think the secondary is pretty solid, but like you still, there still may be a hold safety and you're still vulnerable to injuries, right? Like I, Troy Hill's probably going to be the corner opposite Denzel Ward. Um, but you're probably going to have to find somebody, another, like a third corner. Terrence Mitchell played more snaps than any Brown over the past two seasons. I think, like, I think I saw that stat somewhere. Yeah. So Terrence Mitchell's gone now. And I know people didn't like Terrence Mitchell, but Terrence Mitchell was a really solid cornerback who never missed games. And, um, and you need that. You need yeah. that. You really do. And so I don't... I, the secondary is good. Don't get me wrong. I think it's good. It's substantially better than last year. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that it's like an elite enough secondary that you can get by with this defensive line. It's not. It's not. I mean, because you have... Two question marks in Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit. I mean, we literally do not know what Grant Delpit is. Right. I mean, for all we know, he could be bad. And right. He could just be a complete draft whiff, okay? Right. Um, Greedy Williams, I I mean, whatever you get out of him is a bonus, really. But his career trajectory has been downward for some time now. And I don't know if it's going to take a turn upward. Right. Right. I, I mean, I want it to work for Greedy because Same. just in terms of his raw talent, like he was the most talented, like more, most like gifted, I guess is the best word, gifted secondary player on the roster. Uh, and he clearly had trouble adjusting to the NFL in his first season. And so you would see those like great moments where his athleticism just let him do crazy things. And then like just terrible moments where like you're like, what are you doing? I, that athleticism and talent is gone now, or it may be. We don't know for a fact, but more than likely that nerve damage, it, it's not the same as it was. It may not be terribly different, but it, it's going to be less. So we don't know. Like Maybe like the year off, he has really learned to read the game, and he comes in, and maybe he's not kind of that shutdown guy he could have been out of college, but he's a Terrence Mitchell type. Mm-hmm. That's amazing, right? Like yeah. I would take that, but we don't know that. Like, we have no idea. I mean, once you start hearing nerve issues, it's it's never good. They're, they're, they're long-lasting, and y- y- they usually shorten a player's career by a significant the only thing worse than Yeah, the only thing worse than that are the degenerative stuff, right? Like where, like Todd Gurley's knees. Mm-hmm. And probably um, Clowney's uh, knees, honestly. Yeah, right, right. I mean, I, other than that, nerve issues are about as bad as you can get because they don't go away. Mm-hmm. You and they don't get like better, right? Like that's what I mean. Like they don't. It's not like you hurt your knee, you spend a few weeks recovering, and then like like it's not like Nick Chubb with the knee, right? Like where he missed a few games this season. Nerve issue stays. So I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know what the what his future looks like. And I mean, Delpit just came is coming off a really serious injury, and you're asking him to come in and play start safety next to Johnson. I think people are going to be in for a rude awakening uh, when it comes yeah. to Delphit's, uh how much he plays next season because of his injury. Yeah. I mean, he's already a year behind development-wise because of the injury and missing the first year of his career. Mm-hmm. Then, I happened to recover from a, a torn Achilles. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's already in a delay him a, a, a little bit. I mean, you, you'll see what people hope to see out of Grant Delpit next season. Not this season, next season. Right, right. And I I mean, here's the other thing. And, and I mentioned this last time. If Grant Delpit's playing a lot, it means the Browns are running a lot of cover too. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. Joe Woods does not run cover. Like, he only, like, he occasionally would run cover two last season. He did it a lot to end the year. That cover two is really more of like a cover four. Um, 
And it was really just because we had nobody like the COVID game and all that other stuff. I, I think when Joe Woods does what he wants, he doesn't run a lot of cover too. So I don't know. I mean, unless John Johnson is ostensibly your nickel safety, but then, so you're saying Troy Hill is going to be on the outside every game. Like I, I just, I don't understand. I, I don't see many pathways for Delpit to be playing over 30% of the snaps next season. Outside of injury. Yeah. And and this goes without saying, there, there's no, there's such a little chance that he is uh, worse than the safety play we saw last year. So, oh, no. so improvement be... in that area. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, Delpit, it, like, part of what made him so good was his intelligence, and I think that's still going to – I can't imagine that goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right, like, if you need somebody to come in and cover, I don't have – I'm not afraid about that. But is a starter? I don't know. Maybe. Nobody knows. And let's, let's talk about this Joe Woods defense because it's the – Something that me and you are not necessarily the biggest fans of. Not to not to hammer Joe Woods, but we're gonna hammer Joe Woods. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So his defensive scheme that he runs is one that's been dying for like five years now. Yeah. One and, that's been changing. Like, not his scheme, but, like, how to make this scheme successful has changed. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't adapted. Like, Brandon Staley did not run a terribly dissimilar scheme in Los Angeles last year. Mm-hmm. But he did enough things that basically were designed just to control the middle of the field that it worked. Um, Joe Woods runs, like, kind of a more outdated model. So the the problem is with this game is you need, like, elite players all over in the secondary, the Browns don't have that for this scheme. Well, and I, so I think the secondary could itself work because the whole idea behind the scheme is you basically pick a part of the field. Mm-hmm. You're going to shut down. Yeah. Um, I, I think the Browns will, the best bet they have in that secondary is to force players outside because yes. I, I do think there's at least enough of a hole in the center that you really don't want people throwing down the middle. Mm-hmm. And I, I think with Johnson and Hill, they can do that. I, I think they can force other teams to m- win on the outside. The But, the, I mean, that's great if you have a good enough defensive line to get to the quarterback. We don't. Yeah. <laughs> And so, so it's the opposite problem of last year, where last year the line was good enough, but the secondary wasn't talented enough to take out any part of the field. Like, you couldn't take out the middle of the field because Sandejo was so bad. Mm-hmm. And so what Woods ended up doing was kind of trying to control the edge, the outside of the field, and basically say, like, listen, Sandejo, you're going to be just play deep and free, go to one side of the field and cover it. And I mean, I actually don't think Sandejo's a dumb player. Like, I think he made the right reads a lot of the time. He's just not a good athlete. Yeah. At least compared to NFL players. And so I don't know what Woods is really going to be trying to. Like, I, I accept the argument that, like, you, you got to give him another year to so they can get his types of players in. Fair. Yeah, fine. But, but, but like, I don't. It, this, it requires so much personnel to run this effectively that I'm a little bit concerned and I have not seen Joe Woods do things that puts his players in the best position to succeed all that frequently. Like Robert Jackson, that was not like putting him on an Island against Juju. I mean, that, that wasn't fair. No, not at all. That That's not good. Like I know they had no corners, but like then run cover six, right. Mm-hmm. Or, do something that at least gives him some help beyond Sandejo. Yeah, that, that's not help. That's that's a dead right. sentence out there. I mean, everybody hates Robert Jackson. Like, oh, this guy sucks. I don't, I actually, like, I think Robert Jackson is not an untalented player. I mean, he, he's not a starter. He's probably a special teams guy. But the, the sample size we have him is guarding Juju Smith-Schuster. 
Mm-hmm. And that's like just not fair. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, come on, guys. Like, I so I I just haven't seen it. And I, you can make the argument that where Woods actually strongest is at the defensive line level, and that like having Vernon have that type of season is because Woods is so good at scheming defensive line. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, and I think that probably is the case the Browns are making internally, then defensive line better they better figure it out. Clowney better have numbers this season. Yeah, Clowney better do something he's never done in his career, and that's actually be dominant. Right, right. Well, and it's just, it's production, right? Like, Olivier Vernon historically has had, he's been on and off with production, but, like, he's done it before. And yeah. last year he just had more of it. Like, I know he had the great year a few years ago, but in like 2016, right? 25th, somewhere around there, like his second year. But overall, Vernon's year last year was the best he's ever played. So Clowney better see the same thing. Otherwise, the Browns are in trouble. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Vernon's best year was his second year in the league, 11 and a half sacks. That was yeah. 2013. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. So, but, so, but, 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 he, like, but again, he did register in 2015, 36 quarterback hits, which is, that's just yeah. an unreal number. Yeah. 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 No, Vernon I, people in last season, again, like I think people forgot just how great Vernon was. Mm-hmm. Like he was outstanding. And just because like Vernon's one of those guys where he put up a lot of production last year. It was not the best he's ever done, but that's okay because you saw what else he was doing, right? Like, Vernon is a run-stopping defensive end is the best in the NFL when healthy. Mm-hmm. And we just, like, I don't know what Woods is going to do. I keep seeing Clowney's this great run-stopper. And Where the hell did that come from? Because he is I, I don't, not. He, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't, he is substantially worse at that than Vernon. And, like, part of that's, again, not super fair because Vernon's just so good at it. But, like, Clowney is not a great run-stopper. He's a specialist. I don't know where this number came from, and I think I think Pro Football Focus might be to blame for this perception of Clowney as this good run defender, but he's not. I mean, let's 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 be real here. When we play Baltimore twice a year, um, Lamar Jackson's going to have some highlight plays, and it's going to be at the expense of Jadavian Clowney not playing the play right. Well, and. I mean, part of the reason I think the Browns have done so well against Lamar Jackson over the past two years is Vernon. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that is an under... Because I think Vernon's been healthy for all four games. And Lamar Jackson can't run to the right outside edge. So you you limit part of the field where Lamar Jackson can run to. I, and I don't know how they're going to do that this year. I mean, I, I think it's possible the Browns win both against the Steelers and the Bengals, but I think they're going to lose both to the Ravens again. Looking at his numbers, um, he had two sacks against uh, Lamar Jackson the last time they played. Yep. For Vernon. He hit him twice as well. Uh, week one, it did not go good for anyone on, this, on that defense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that goes without saying. Uh, looking at 2019, he missed okay. the second of their two matchups, but their first one, the 40-25 to 25 win that, yep. looking back on that game, that season, came out of nowhere. He did have a sack, two tackles, tackle for loss, two quarterback hits. So yep. when he's played, he's been effective. Yep. I... I don't, I mean, this schedule this year is deceptive. I've seen people say, oh, like, they have a lot of easy games. And, like, to a certain degree, that's true. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the bottom teams in, that we're playing are not good. I, I think Arizona is incredibly overrated as a team. I'm not worried about them. Uh, I, th- I I mean, watching Arizona last year, they were not that great. Um no, I mean they should have lost like three more games than they did. Yeah, yeah. I I think Kyler Murray's really talented. I think Kyler Murray's really talented, like Russell Wilson is, and I think Cliff Kingsbury may be the worst offensive play caller in the NFL. He's uh, not good. No, 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 no. He he's worse than not good. He's awful. <laughs> like I, I that game, I am not. 
concerned about it on. I know the Browns haven't done well against Arizona the last few years. I don't care. I am that game is so that's a win to me. But like teams like Detroit, I think are going to be deceptively like tough to beat. I mean, looking outside of division, they play Denver, uh, the Raiders, He's gonna be good. the Bears. Those are good. Yeah. Lions. These are not bad teams. Texans, Packers, teams. Chiefs, Chargers, Vikings, Patriots, Cardinals. I mean, so Chiefs, Chargers, Patriots, I think are all probably losses. Because I Patriots are up to something. I don't know what it is, but they're up to something. <laughs> I'm um, never doubting Bill Belichick. I don't know why people yeah. are doing that. Yeah, they're they're up to something. I think there's arguably two losses against the Ravens. So the Browns have to be as good as they were last year outside of those five games. Mm-hmm. And like Packers, Chargers, like Chiefs, Packers, Patriots, I think are all losses. I think that I mean the Chargers. I, I, I mean you know this, and I've said this all the time. I'm a huge Brandon Staley fan. Mm-hmm. I think that Chargers team is going to be really, really good. I did too, and uh, Justin Herbert looked really good last year. Yeah, I, and I think, like, it, I mean, if you... The problem with the Chargers last year is that outside of... They were just giving up so many points. Like, Justin Herbert had to be, I mean, the second coming to for that team to win. And I mm-hmm. think Staley comes in and Staley fixes that defense. And I think that changes a lot. Yeah, and that, that's before knowing that they're going to lose a game they have no business losing because they did that twice last year. Um, and they'll do it again. And right. they'll do it again. They, that, that's just the nature of football. You lose a game or it's just like, how the hell did they lose that game? Yeah. I mean, I, So I they'll, lose, seeing... they'll lose to somebody stupid like the Lions or the Cardinals or the Bengals. Right. Right. And then you are, like, in trouble, right? And I, I mean... Do I think the Browns are going to go under 500 next year? Probably not. I, I, I'm not going to say no because we have not seen what happened yet happens uh, the rest of this offseason. But I think overall, like, Stefanski is a good enough coach that they will finish over. I mean, I guess that it's obviously over or under this year. But I think, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I find it hard to see the Browns winning less than 10 games. Um. But I don't know how much more than that they're going to win. Yeah, I mean, just looking at their opponents, looking at how they've adjust, made their roster adjustments this year. This is a this is a tough schedule, is what this is. Um, yeah, and they're going to these opponents are going to provide them with a, a tough enough test. I mean, yeah, I mean, the good news is if the Browns do make the playoffs next year, I think it speaks to something about this team being the real deal. Yes, absolutely. You know, uh, I, I think, I know I see a lot of people going, oh, they're a Super Bowl team. That should be their aspiration. I'm like, no, no, look, hold on. Look, let's back up a little bit. They won a playoff game. They won a wild card game. They won two. They, they went on to the divisional round. Expectation should be make it to the divisional round. High end, make it to the AFC title game. But right. Super Bowl, let, let's back up a little bit. That's the high end. This AFC title game, expectation yeah. to be should be where they got to last year, right? Well, and I mean, here's the reality. Everybody's like, oh, well, the Chiefs. You know that Mahomes year one went to the championship game year two Super Bowl. Well, yeah, sure. But look at like the four years prior where they kept going to the basically the divisional round and then getting booted with mm-hmm. Alex Smith. Like, I don't think that's inconceivable that that's the path the Browns are on right is just like this constant until they find that quarterback and i mean maybe it's baker i i don't necessarily think so at this point until they find that quarterback i think that's the world they're going to be in and that's fine like again that should be the expectation make it to where you made it last year but we'll see i mean steelers also are not that good of a team right and the Steelers were not playing their best quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, Mason Rudolph was better than Ben Roethlisberger at that point. I mean, that's saying something. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger was terrible. And I don't... But you, we lucked out, right? We lucked out that the Steelers started so hot that they were the team we faced in the first round. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> they were they were not a and, good team at the end. No. No. I mean, and like, do I think we would have beaten the Titans? Yeah. I think Stefanski has figured out. Like, I don't think there are many zone blocking team offenses with play callers that are as good as Stefanski. I, I mean, there are two for sure, which are LA and San Francisco, maybe three in Green Bay. Although I think Stefanski is about that level. Yeah. And um, I, 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 the one with Green Bay is hard to judge because of Aaron Rodgers. So, right. I, it, I mean, it, I, I think if there are deficiencies yeah. or something that Aaron Rodgers doesn't like, he's good enough to change it. The other three situations, we don't know about Matthew Stafford in LA, but right. other three situations have been coaches getting the most out of limited quarterbacks. Right. Right. And like, to be fair, Stefanski did that last year, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not, my point is I'm not worried about like the Titans or I, I actually even think, I know, I think Josh Allen's amazing. I think that Bill's roster is outstanding. I think the Browns would pose a lot of question marks for their defense. Um, because I mean, the Browns strategy is very simple, right? It, it's, I mean, using like a soccer reference, it's like the control possession strategy, right? What is the best defense for the Browns? Not playing defense. Yep. And that's, and they're really good at it. And Stefanski's really good at that. And I remember like to start last season, it was the season we were winning these games and it was like, why are they playing so slow in the fourth quarter? Like chub hunt, chub hunt. Like there's so many three and outs, but I think if you actually think about it, what they were doing long-term was effective. Right. Was that more likely than not, you run some combination of Chubb and Hunt three times, you're going to get the first down. And I think the Browns do that better than a lot of teams because of that offensive line and because of Chubb and even Hunt. Like, so I'm not worried about those teams as much, but like you're like the Ravens, the Chiefs. I mean, these teams are going to blitz us. And you can't just control the ball like that. Against them, uh, no. I mean, you, playing playing teams like uh, playing a team like the Chiefs, you can't play that. I mean, you ideally you do, but it's that's just not how it works. <laughs> right, right. And like, I mean, I you need to be versatile, and I, I it's not to me a Stefanski problem as much as it is a Baker problem. Mm-hmm. Right, like. Okay, well, if you're going to play a team... Like, that Chiefs game, I get Stefanski deserved criticism. I get it. I'm not absolving him of blame. It was also, like, to win that game, Baker needed to throw the ball a lot. Because Mm -hmm. you could not play this possession style, like this kind of just run the ball against the Chiefs. Because, yeah, you were going to gain yards, and we did. But the Chiefs are going to just score so quickly on you that it doesn't... That doesn't actually win you the game. And I don't know if Baker can adjust. And so, like, God forbid we face the Ravens, Chargers, or Chiefs in the first round. I think we're going to lose. And we play them all in the regular season. Whoopee. Yeah, I mean, th- those are going to give you a good idea for potential postseason matchups for the Browns. Uh, but... I mean, I, I just... I They... This is why, and like you and I have talked about this ad nauseum, but it's why I think guys like Jarvis Landry are so important. Because at the end of the day, I think to go further than we did last year, you're going to need to throw the ball. Yeah, you're going to need to throw the ball. and it's Or at least have the option to do so. Yeah, and they need someone who's going to be that consistent, reliable receiving target. And that's Jarvis Landry. Right. You know, it's... Beckham's the more talented player. He's the more exciting player. But, you know, they need that guy that um, is just will always be present, will always be able to just catch the ball. I mean, take the Patriots, for instance. You know, not trying to say the Browns like the Patriots by any means, but when they had Randy Moss and Wes Welker, they didn't win. Right. You know, they didn't. They didn't start winning until they had more reliable, uh, consistent guys. Not to say he wasn't reliable or consistent, but... No, Julian Edelman changed that team. Yeah, Julian Edelman and Gronk. Yep, yep. Well, and I mean, the whole idea behind this offensive scheme, beyond just like the play action and like gaining big play gains, it's controlling all levels of the field. And I think part of the problem the Browns had is, early point this season is because Beckham had so many options Mm 
Mm-hmm. He wasn't reading it right, or Baker wasn't reading where Odell wanted to be correctly, or some combination of both. And then he goes out, and you see all of a sudden, like, the passing game starts clicking. And I, I don't think that was because Beckham was gone. I think it was because the offense just got more structured because Beckham wasn't playing. And my gut is that's what they do again this year. And so Beckham probably has less options. But the idea is, like, Jarvis can play either the very close to the line of scrimmage, basically, like that short slot, or, like, the normal slot, like that 8 to 15-yard range. Mm-hmm. And then you have your tight end, cover, who hopefully at this point is Harrison Bryant, cover the other area. Yeah. And then you have Odell cover the deep areas. And I think that's going to be what the game plan is. But what Jarvis does is whatever area you're putting him in, whether it's that short slot or, like, deeper slot, he's going to get open. And you need that. Yeah. They they really do. They just... I mean... Beckham's exciting. Beckham's fun. But they need that guy. That guy is Jarvis Landry. Yeah, and I mean, listen, I'm glad they have Beckham. I think Beckham actually helps solve a lot of these problems we've been talking about on offense, just like the threat of Beckham. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I mean, I think Jarvis is more important to what this team wants to do on a game-to-game basis. Yeah, and and like I said before, uh, for last season, I guess we'll we'll end it on this note here, uh, is... As, as for as regards to uh, receivers on this roster, who is who is more um, adaptive and more you can use in different systems, it was Landry. Yep. And and I, I think last season proved me right on that. Yep. Yep. I think Landry is also useful. So if Pat Mahomes is our quarterback, I would disagree with that, right? I think Pat Mahomes Absolutely. is our quarterback. Odell Beckham is the more. Um, my with with Baker and this isn't like a huge knock on Baker like I actually think like what Baker showed last season is he could be like that type of like almost like a Matt Stafford right where every season he has like half the games are really good half the games are really bad Mm -hmm. and that can that every other every third year is enough to get you into the playoffs and maybe winning a few playoff games Mm -hmm. I think that's good I think Baker has a long future in the NFL I don't necessarily think Baker is the type of quarterback that unless the rest of your team is perfect can take you to the Super Bowl. And if you don't have that type of quarterback, Jarvis Landry is a more important receiver than Odell. Mm-hmm.